Now, talking travel with travel expert and specialist Sally Lucas. And today, Sally's going to take us to France. We'll take a look at some highlight places to go along the Tour de France route for next year, just in case you're thinking of taking in the action. And we'll also head off to Jordan and visit the wonderful site of Petra. It's time to talk travel with Sally Lucas. And uh, Sally, um, France is always a good place to go anyway. When you've got yes. something interesting to watch, it's all the better. Absolutely all the better. It's funny, I was bumped into a friend the other day that has been to France this year and stayed in this little village, I think it's sort of in the Dordogne area, called Montagnac. And she said, oh, she, you know, she'd never stayed in a little village before. And as, as any of us that have, life hasn't changed. And she just loved the way, you know, the women would have the baguette under their arm to walk home and the basket with their produce. And, you know, it's life... No McDonald's, none of all that commercialism. So this is what's lovely about going through these regions of France. And, of course, we're talking 2020, which is only around the corner. And I'm sure everyone's probably got their thinking caps on already as to what sort of holiday they want to plan for next year. So this could be, maybe, on your bucket list to do some of this. So the Tour de France kicks off its three, just under 3,500-kilometre 21-stage loop in Nice next year, which is the capital of the Côte d'Azur. It starts on June 27, finishing on the Champs-Élysées say on July 19. So this is just one of the French tourist bureaus has put out a little uh, blurb here on nine beautiful stops that they suggest along the way if you're wanting to have a stop where you're going well as we all know even if you've watched on tv the backdrop of some of the scenery is quite quite spectacular so you are starting off in, in nice of course um the bay des anges and um the promenade des anglais so they do three loops around the countryside there before they head off um in, into the actual journey so the first one they mentioned here is actually on the third stage which is a village called sisteron in provence and um they go through grass which is the famous city of perfume where a lot of the perfumes are made. And it's a, a beautiful little village up in the hills behind Nice. Um, and you can go to the Musée International de la Parfumerie there and also check which out... Which is all about perfumes. Of course, <laughs> of course. And you can check out the legendary route, uh, Route Napoleon, which is the route the emperor took on his return from Elba. Oh. Uh, so there you go. And you go through gorgeous forests and small Provençal villages, etc. So they say here, it is so pretty, the view, and so Provence, it might make the races forget about the tour, but I don't think so. <laughs> Yes, tunnel but, vision for them. But it's certainly like this village, just looking at it in front of me now, it's this wonderful, it's sort of nestled in against this incredible looking mountain. Um, it's called the Durance, so it just looks quite spectacular. The other uh, place they're mentioning is in the fifth stage is a little town called Gap, G-A-P, and it's a fortified medieval city and it's the capital of the Southern Alps. And in this area, you're going through olive orchards and lavender fields, etc. So that would be, again, beautiful. Um, and then you go on from there to Montelemar, which is the, the gate of Provence and the kingdom of Nougat. Oh, so a bit of anyway, a sweet tooth, and then on to Priva, which is the capital of the Ardèche, and again, that's all a wonderful, beautiful area. We said of, of um, fields, olive orchards, etc., which is nice, and of course, then you get to go on that incredible uh, Mio Mio Viaduct spanning the Tarn Valley, and it holds the world record for height um, of the bridge, and it's actually taller than the Eiffel Tower, so it actually reaches three hundred and forty-three meters or 1,125 feet. And the area is called Occitane, and I guess that's where the Occitane 
products come from as well, I would imagine. I would think. Um, they say the cyclists have to combat, combat sorry, any sensations of vertigo going across this bridge because, of course, you're, it's a long way down. A long way down. And um, as it says, for visitors, you can do a guided tour of the interior, which I wasn't aware you could do, called the Sentier des Explorateurs, the Explorer's Path. And if you want to, you can go paddle in the viaduct below in a canoe. So there you go. There's something you can do there <laughs> as well. And look up at the cyclists. And look up at the cyclists. <laughs> And then in the foothills of the Pyrenees, um, there's a lovely village called Pau. Actually, one of um, a lady friend I know, her, her friend lives and is married and lives in this beautiful village of Pau, which is um, where King Henry the Henry the Fourteenth was born. They say to tradition in a turtle shell. And whether that's true or not, I don't know. <laughs> but it's got a lovely chateau there as well that you can visit before heading up the mountain. And this is a very mountainous part of the the route uh, that the uh, races have to do of course and they go through the Osau Valley which is just a few kilometres from power and then they head on which is a hard stage the 13th stage traverses the massive central in Auvergne and um, it was at once a volcano and it's a vestige of the largest stratovolcano in Europe so quite spectacular um, it's at 1783 metres and it's considered a grand site de France or a grand or great site of France and from here you can even see all the way to the Alps Mont Blanc on a clear day, so that's that's wonderful. Um, and then they go on to Lyon, and of course Lyon is a beautiful old city. Um, you've got the two sides of Lyon, the old area, and they have what they call these bouchons, which are traditional bistros, and it's quite a foodie city. They consider they are the capital of French gastronomy, um, and so you can go to these lovely little places, and they've now got local delicacies and things, and as they say, the cyclists can look forward to a true Lyonnais feast when they go to Lyon. Um, and they've also you can go through there, which I've had some people do, which I didn't realise was there till recently. They've got these secret passageways or trabul where uh, there were stone towers left over from Lyon's silk spinning past, and they made all these beautiful silk fabrics there. And of course, after that, you climb through the Alps and Grenoble, and then you head on to the end, the finish line, the Champs Elysees, which of course is a magnificent spectacle in itself as they're all racing down that famous boulevard. So certainly is, and in Paris is certainly one of the highlights of France, you would say. There's you would plenty to certainly do say so. But <laughs> as you can see, there's plenty to do along the way and we've only mentioned nine of those lovely places and villages that they'll pass through. So that's something to look forward to for next year. Even if you're just watching it on television and you're not there, you'll be able to see all these wonderful destinations. Jordan, now that's a part of the world that probably should be visited if you haven't already. Well, it is, and I think it's one of those countries that a lot of people have talked about, and those that have been are impressed. And there's so many people say, "Yes, it's still on my list." So, you know, so many people I talk to, oh, you know, they'll say, have, "Have you been to Petra?" Or, you know, has anyone been to Petra? I've just read and seen so much about it. So, I just thought we'd talk about Petra today. It is almost one of the wonders of the world, isn't well, it? Well, it is, and it was in the book we were talking about last week about the spiritual journey so this is considered again like one of those places to visit where I guess you're a little bit in awe like same with Egypt you know with the, the beautiful temples built into the into the rock which is what Petra is of course you've got this incredible uh, city I suppose but they call it the treasury the main building and you actually have to walk in and I was talking to someone the other day who's a, was not very ambient and um, ambulant should I say and um, but I think you can organize uh, to be taken in because it's quite a long walk 
Um, so you go through this tiny cleft in the sandstone rocks and then you walk and walk and walk through a, a narrowing gorge and it's barely four yards wide in, in some places so you, you can't even see the sky. Um, and then you keep walking for about 15 minutes or more and you go through this red rock gorge and it's almost lightless and silent and then, you know, you just feel like you're sort of in the middle of a, I don't know, like the Grand Canyon or something like that. And then you suddenly step out into the light and there before you, 40 metres tall and 27 metres wide, is this vast six-columned palace which is carved out of sheer rock with classical figures all around it. And as I said, it's called the Treasury. So it, it's quite something special to do. And we always, I think, marvel at how they did this in those days, whether it be, you know, the pyramids, whether it be these buildings cut into stone, like with the lack of equipment that we have today and all done hewn by hand. I mean, you've you just got to really... You've got to not just look at it and think, oh, yeah, it's beautiful. Just look at the, the work, the art, you know, the actual artistry and the, the work that's done to, to achieve what they've achieved is quite remarkable. So a little further on, you can go through a slightly uh, wider passageway and you pass what they call the Street of Facades and there's tombs virtually on every corner. Um, then you step out again into the light and there's a huge open space that resembles a, a, a city, sorry, hidden in the desert. And here is an amphitheatre where originally over 3,000 spectators could assemble. So it's quite uh, remarkable. 500 tombs sit in and around the slopes and the caves. And then there's another structure further on, even larger than the treasury, called the monastery. So you've got quite a lot to see and do there, as you, as you know. Now, the Red Rock City of Petra, as it's called, was first created by the Nabataeans with the Shara Mountains of southern Jordan in the five centuries before the birth of Christ. So we're going old, aren't we? Yes, we are getting back there. <laughs> uh, we are getting back there. So the area had already been inhabited for more than 6,000 years and some of the earliest farmers in history had settled amongst these hills and wadis. And they were a nomadic tribe from Western Arabia that originally made their home in this area. So it, it was originally also home to about 30,000 people there as well. And they had their own script, which was a precursor to Arabic. And they built their own sort of ingenious waterways and dams, etc. So the Romans took over Petra in um, 106 and they too saw how valuable the hidden city could be and they added baths and colonnades so the Petra which is the Greek word for rock became a new kind of capital larger than ever before and then the history moved on and the whole city fell into silence again concealed behind all these towering rocks and then for more than 500 years almost nobody knew the place existed so it's quite remarkable isn't it the Bedouins who lived in the region took pains to preserve its secrecy and it was only in 1812 when a Swiss explorer called Johann Ludwig Burkhardt stepped into the site drawn by stories of a lost city in the mountains and then just learned then about this hidden treasure so really it's, it's not that long ago in history that it was really rediscovered if you could say so that is interesting isn't it it there's is probably more wonders for us to discover as well there, i'm sure there's so many we probably don't even know about yet and and even recently is yeah, they keep finding aren't they that more in egypt and in, in the catacombs and you know these incredible preserved bodies you know that go way back so there's something being discovered all the time so there's always going to be something new and something old for us to to look at and enjoy and even in our own country new dinosaurs have well, been discovered <laughs> yeah well i mean we forget see that we were the land of land rather of dinosaurs probably one of the earliest when they've dated the footprints you know up around queensland and places like that mm -hmm. so 
Yes, I mean, there's just so much history and so much interest in the world if you delve deep enough. So you don't have to go to big cities all the time. You can go to what we've mentioned, little French villages, and you can go and immerse yourself in Petra and some wonderful areas. And, you know, try and do the -the off-the-tourist-track things for a while to give the cities a break. Talking travel... And Sally Lucas, time to see what's out there in the hot deals department of the current marketplace. I'm not going to call them hot deals today, Jane. (laughs) Cool deals as well. No, I'm I'm going to call them inspirations for next year. Sounds good. So if you're planning something for next year, we might have something in here that might just excite you or give you some advice. So one of them is a close to home, which is Numia, a package at the Chateau Royale. There's departures from December through to March next year from under $1,900 per person. Um, And it's a four-star resort. Of course, you can go to Tahiti even further, like Simon said in the Cussons ad. Tahiti looks nice. Sofitel Morea, Eora Beach Resort. Seven nights there from January through to June departures, and that's from under 3,000. Or a journey through Portugal and Spain. Now, this is from all the way through to October next year. It's a nine-night journey, and that's from under $6,000 per person, giving you 10 days in Portugal and Spain, taking in incredible places as well there. Um, Northern Italy featuring Piedmont, which is a a food and cultural uh, adventure, which would be fantastic if you're really interested, interested Sorry, in the uh, birthplace of slow food movement, etc. And that's an eight-night itinerary. Uh, goes through till September next year, and that's under six thousand per person. The Maldives, if you've got a honeymoon anniversary or just want to go to somewhere idyllic, uh, from January through to December next year, a seven-night package from under seven thousand. We were talking a little bit about France today, an eight-night journey through southern France, which is a beautiful area from Bordeaux to Saint-Rémy-de-Provence, going through all the wine regions, going to Biarritz as well the villages of Dordogne, the walled city of Carcassonne. Um, that's eight nights from just over 7,000 going through to September next year. And it's something a bit different, Calgary Stampede in your Rocky Mountaineer Rail through the beautiful Canadian Rockies. An eight-night journey there, July next year. That is, of course, to coincide with the Calgary Stampede. And that is fantastic as well, taking in Lake Louise, Banff, etc. And that's from under 7,500 per person. Um, 2020 again, Canada and Alaska, there's some lovely tours out there and Evergreen has guaranteed all their 2020 departures, so that's good to know. You're not going to have a tour cancelled on you, which is fantastic. They still do have some savings there, um, which are just subject to availability so long as you book and pay in full by the end of January. So that's quite good. You've got some savings of anywhere from $500 to $1,000 per couple on a range of your Evergreen, Canada and Alaskan cruises. Um, these, All these next three, you book and pay by 31 January as well. This is 26 days and it's Eastern Canada and USA plus a cruise. So you're doing Toronto, Niagara Falls, Ottawa, Montreal, Quebec City and then you actually cruise down through uh, Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island, Nova Scotia, Halifax, etc etc down Maine Boston in Massachusetts um, then you end up of course in New York that's a fantastic itinerary there 26 days ex Australia and that's uh, departing 20 September next year and that's a touch over 8,000 there's a Rocky Rail and Alaskan cruise so on the other side now you've got that available as well it's a 20 day itinerary going to Vancouver Calgary Banff Lake Louise Jasper etc and then you're doing a lovely cruise of course up through that wonderful inside passage and coming back 
down to Vancouver and Victoria, of course, beautiful butchart gardens. And lastly, but not leastly, there's another one, a 25-day Alaskan cruise rail and Rockies as well. So this is taking in the Rockies and Vancouver, Whistler, Butchart Gardens, plus your Alaskan cruise finishing up in Anchorage and Denali, that one before you come home. So you're taking in all that little bit of Alaska as well. And that's departing May and August next year. And that's from under $11,000 per person. All these have lots of wonderful inclusions on them. So look, happy, happy Christmas to everybody. Hope you have a safe a new year. If you're travelling, stay safe, stay healthy. Look forward to talking to you again next year. And yeah, have a wonderful festive season. So we will be seeing you again at the end of January, End Sally. of January. That sounds like a long way away, but no doubt it will pass quickly. It will. Thank you very much for a wonderful year of travel inspiration. And thank you, Jane, for sharing the program with me. And we'll talk travel again next year when we join you at the end of January. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.